I wonder if you can imagine this. In this week's Torah readings, God owns all the land. Every seven years, you can't grow anything. You have to have faith in God that enough food will grow for everyone to be able to eat. And every 50 years, even if you've sold some of the land, it goes back to the, its original owner. There's a 50-year cycle. So if you sell land in the 40th year, you get it back 10 years later. It's an amazing system. God gets to distribute the land. The whole thing, all the land belongs to God. And it's nowhere near what we do today. You sixth graders are not aware of it yet. But things change drastically over the course of a lifetime. When I was your age, our entertainment was something called the transistor radio. Every boy got one for his bar mitzvah. And the girls didn't get them because most girls were not bat mitzvah. So their parents had to get them one without the benefit of a ceremony. We listened to something that was very new. Music called rock and roll by people like Elvis Presley and Chuck Berry. And the Beatles and the Rolling Stones weren't started yet. We took our transistors with us everywhere, everywhere we went, just like some of you take your smartphones with you. I slept with my radio under my pillow so that my parents wouldn't, hear, wouldn't know I was listening to rock and roll when I was supposed to be asleep. The Bible tells us God owns the land, and we don't live that way anymore, but we still believe that we should give food to everyone. And we don't have transistor radios anymore, but 12 and 13-year-olds still listen to music, I think, on something called MP3 players rather than transistor radios. You see, some things change, some things stay the same. Well, music wasn't the only thing that changed in the 1960s when I was your age. Women's liberation started. Women got equal status in the United States and around the world. The anti-Vietnam War demonstrations started. Women campaigned to legalize abortions because it was prior to Roe versus Wade. Colleges, boy, this is old, had separate dormitories for men and women. And men were not allowed in the women's dormitories except for from two to four on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Very few people owned guns. You never heard about drive-by shootings. People left their doors unlocked during the day. And, oh my Lord, children played outside without their parents knowing where they were. Movies were 35 cents and a Coke was a nickel. Lots of changes happened. And at the time, we really didn't appreciate how the world was becoming different. So now here we are, 50 years later, and the same thing, the same thing 
is happening again. The world is changing so fast, it's almost impossible while you're living in it to know that it's changing. How many of you, no matter what your age, if you're sitting here this morning, spend time in front of one kind of a screen or another every day? All right. Computer screen, television screen, smartphone screen, iPad. Oh my God. <laughs> How many of you listen to music with buds in your ears? Headphones on. All right. How much time are you in front of a screen every day? One hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, five or more. <laughs> Look around. Put your hands up. Look around. What percentage of the congregation is in front of a screen five or more hours a day? Here's a big thing that is, I ch that is changing, I believe. You sixth graders will live much of your lives, many hours every day, interacting with the world through a screen. It's going to change how we interact with the world and how we perceive the world. We got outside, you look at a screen. Nearly 600 years ago, a man changed the way we, you and I, interact with the world. Just the way a guy named Bill Gates did and Steve Jobs did, only this man lived 600 years ago. His name was Johannes Gutenberg, and he invented something radically new, changed the whole world, a way to produce books. Now, after Gutenberg, Everyone could have a book. Everyone could learn how to read. And here's the real change. You didn't have to depend on the rabbi or a priest to tell you what a book meant. You could have your own ideas. You could read on your own. Because with movable type, books no longer had to be handwritten and many people could own them. Everyone who learned to read could get direct access to information if they took the time and the responsibility to learn how to read and then actually read a book. Now that same thing is happening again. 600 years later, everything you want to know about your world is immediately accessible on some screen to which you have access. There is infinite information at your fingertips. I used to have to go to the library. Now I Google it. <laughs> There's too much information available to, for you to learn in 10 lifetimes, let alone one lifetime. And now, now, you have to choose what you want to know. And it's even worse than that. Colleges and universities are starting to offer courses for free. Do you all know this? You could go to Stanford. You could go to Harvard. 
You could go to the University of Chicago and not pay a dime anymore. Any person could take humanities courses, history courses, psychology courses, even scientist courses, many of them, if, they, if you don't have to go to a lab, and you don't have to pay a dime. It's amazing. You know what's going to happen as a result? It's already happening, as a matter of fact. Young people and old people from all over the world are studying on their own. That information that you have to choose to get, they're choosing to get. The best among them, the hardest working, who really do want to know stuff and are willing to spend hours and hours in front of a screen, are going to soak up information like a sponge soaks up water. And then they're going to go to a company and they're going to say, no, I don't have a degree from MIT, but test me to see what I know. Test me to see if I can do the job because I've learned everything I knew, need to know to do a great job for you. I don't have a piece of paper to bring you, but I know how to do it. A college degree is not going to be the key anymore. Not a college degree alone, at least. Instead, 20, 10 or 20 years from now, people will have to prove their skills. You'll be competing with people who studied at Stanford and MIT and Harvard without paying to go there. Universal education is coming, but only for those who choose it. And why do I tell you all this? Because the same is true about Judaism. Just like you'll need to choose what you want to know for work, you'll be able to find everything you want to know about Judaism online. And with YouTube, you'll be able to get somebody to demonstrate how to do it. We're not going to need religious schools or religious school teachers. We're going to need people who can show you and your families where to find the stuff on the internet in order for you to learn Judaism. You can already study for your bar or bat mitzvah stuff online for free if you want. A new world is coming on a road towards you and it's really coming fast. To have a Jewish community people will have to decide that they want a community in their lives. Everything is going to be a matter of your choice. You can know as much as you want or as little as you want. You can tailor Judaism to your own needs. And as neat as that may sound, it's going to be a terrible challenge for you. What kind of a community will you choose to create? What will you choose to learn? Will you say, forget the community. I'll just invite my friends and my family and we'll have this bar bat mitzvah and I'll do whatever I want. We'll tailor it to me. I'll create a community and I'll change it to fit my own personal desires. Or will you create by being present, a long-lasting community of people you know and have known your entire life. 
friends who actually know you, have lived among you, that you've shared births and b'nai mitzvah and marriages and confirmations and even deaths and funerals. People whom you've known for your entire life maybe, with whom you have celebrated significant moments, who know how you feel, who remember who you were and who appreciate whom you have become. We need a community so that we can celebrate and give depth to sharing our lives because that's what it means to be a human being. Think of what your life would be like without friends with whom to share. If we change communities on a whim, for each life cycle event, for whatever reason we choose, whenever we choose, we will end up lonely people, and we won't even know what hit us. We will discover too late that we want people around who knew us back when, who remember who we are, who know how we came to be this way, who care about us with great depth, so much so that they would choose to be with us in the most significant moments of our lives. It's a new world. It's a world of your choosing. Jewish learning that teaches us how to be good people, how to treat those among us who are in need, how to reach out and live the best lives possible, filled with knowledge and understanding and helping others, that will be totally available all of the time. But in a world of infinite knowledge and infinite choices, will we choose the wisdom of Judaism and the comfort of a Jewish community? Only you can answer that question. No one will be able to make you belong to any community except the people among whom you work, if indeed you're working in an office and not at home. But I can virtually guarantee you this. There's a new world coming. Unlike the world your parents grew up in, certainly not like the world I grew up in. The roller coaster ride is about to begin. So buckle up and enjoy the ride of your life. And remember, you are part of a 4,000, 4,000 year old tradition of wisdom, a tradition of blessing, a tradition that shows you how to live, shows you how to live with meaning and purpose and love in a community of like-minded people who can care about you but you are going to have to choose that for yourself. Kane, you hear that